Well, it is the moment you've all been waiting for. You can take a seat and let me hand it over to our director of kids ministry here, Morgan Lee. Let's welcome her together. Hi, everyone. Oh, hello. So I just want to say I've had the privilege of being with these second through fifth grade students for the past few months, and they've been working so hard so hard these past few months at all the songs and all these things. And um, I wanted to kind of set the stage for you about what we're, we're not in an auditorium right now, okay? I need you guys to use your imaginations for me. We are in grandma's living room, okay? And the stakes are high. We are snowed in and there's no electricity, okay? No technology, no cell phones. You can gasp if you want. That should have been a <gasps> gasp. So the kids don't know what to do. They don't know what they should do. And grandma suggests a puzzle. And that puzzle has special abilities and special things to be able to prompt songs and actually have the story of Christmas really come to life. So we want you not to miss what these kids with all of the amazing songs and dance moves that they're doing, we won't, don't want you to miss what the real message that these grandkids are learning. It's the most important message of all. So we want you to take note of that. And as they have been working very hard, I want you guys to know we are encouraging audience participation, okay? So if you hear a line of the song, if you hear something that someone says that's funny, that's supposed to be funny, laugh. If there's a song that you guys love, cheer along. Um, I'm counting on the 11 o'clock, okay? The nine o'clock, they're just getting up. The 11 o'clock, you're awake, right? You've had your coffee. I need you guys to be interactive, cheering them on. I'm telling you, it's going to really mean so much to them and really prompt them to be excited and even give that much more to it. Um, and as part of this, they'll start coming on stage. I'll just explain. If you're new and you've never been here, we have kids ministry every Sunday morning at 9 and 11, both services. We have teachers that are there. It's definitely not just sitting with your kids and just letting them sit there. It is us pouring in and teaching them the Bible at their age level. So we have classes from infants all the way through fifth grade, and we would love, love for them to join us. Oh, here they start coming on stage. They're so cute. So just if you have any, any questions at all, we have a new family check-in table that's always right as you walk in, and we would love to talk to you about that there. It looks like we are getting ready and set up. Oh, everyone looks great. Oh, you can wave. You can wave. It is encouraged to wave. Everyone's there and everyone's set. Okay, perfect. So it looks like we are ready. I wanted to present to you Compass Bible Church's first musical called The Christmas Puzzle, presented by our very own Compass Kids. Okay, kids, gather in real close so I can take a picture of my beautiful grandchildren. Yeah, yeah fun, great fun. Um, okay. On the count of three, say Merry Christmas. One, two, three. Merry Christmas. Oh, come on now, cheer up. How can we cheer up, Grandma? We're snowed in. Yeah, no electricity. Which means no TV, no computer games. None of us even have cell phones. This is so boring. Hmm, sounds awful serious. Have you tried looking in the trunk with all the games? Yeah, but all that's in there is a slinky, a game of checkers, and this old puzzle. 
That's not just any old puzzle, Andrew. It's timeless and very special. What do you mean special? Why don't you put it together and find out? But we don't have the box it came in. How are we supposed to put it together without the picture on the box? That's one of the special parts. You'll need a Bible and this bag of clues. Well, it's not like we have anything else to do. Okay, great. I'm gonna go let you guys figure that out while I finish baking the cookies. Here's Grandma's Bible, Andrew. In Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 23, you'll read the story that came true through ancient prophecy. Found it. Here it is. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. Hmm. Talks about an angel appearing to Joseph in a dream, telling him that Mary's going to have a baby. Not just any baby. She will give birth to a son that you will name Jesus because he will save people from their sin. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will be with a child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. What does that have to do with all these puzzle pieces? Wait, remember what Mr. Connor said last week in Sunday school? Sit down, Emily. I'm going to have to tell your parents. After that. I think it was something about the Old Testament. I remember. God told the prophets that he would send a savior to save the people from their sins. Then thousands of years later, it actually happened the exact way the prophet said it would. Look, I just finished a corner of this puzzle. Come along, expected Jesus, but who says my people free from our fears and sin to ease us? Let us find our rest and be. Is a strength and consolation above all the earth thou art? Oh, yeah.
next clue. Angels sing a peace on earth, heaven marvels at the birth of Christ the newborn king. Read Luke 2, 8 through 14. Found it. It says that there were some shepherds out in a field with their flock one night when an angel showed up and scared them all half to death. Let me see. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a, a Savior was born to you. He is Christ our Lord. Can't seem to get this piece to fit. Ugh. Let me try. Wait a minute, this is Santa Claus. Oh, I thought it was an angel with a beard and a big belly. <laughs> I think this is what you're looking for, Ella. Let's see if it fits. This really is a special puzzle. It's starting to look like a picture. What's the next clue, Molly? Angels sing of peace on earth, heaven mar... You already read that one. Oh, Luke 2, 15 through 20 holds the greatest story ever told. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Look, Molly, I found some shepherds. Great, let's see if they fit. Where's the... Wait. Oh. You didn't finish reading the scripture. Read verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary, Joseph, and the baby lying in a manger.
Jesus, not that yet. Huh. Where's hey, the baby Jesus? I just found the second part of the clue. The Messiah was born to set us free in the sweet nativity. Where's the baby Jesus puzzle piece? I don't have it. Me neither. Ella? What? Do you have the baby Jesus? Maybe. Open up your hand. All right, it's just he's so cute and I really love him. Can't I just keep it in my pocket? It wouldn't be much of a picture without Jesus. Okay, I'll put him in the manger. Cookies, anyone? Yum! I see that puzzle's coming along. Are you guys having fun? We don't even care if we're anymore. We don't even care if we're snowed in anymore. Well, good. Wait, we're the wise men with the star. Those guys are cool. Remember that musical that we saw? Remember that musical we heard last year? It had mean old King Herod who wanted to kill baby Jesus so he could be king. My favorite was the camel. I've walked so far, my hoofs have corns. Just little me, the king of the Jews, they'll do what I want, cause I'm the man. I'll have them eating out of my strong hand. says that they followed a star to the place where baby Jesus was born. And they found him and they were overjoyed. So they bowed down and worshiped him. They brought him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Did they tell King Herod about Jesus? No. 
God warned them in a dream to take a different way home, so they did. I think we're missing a puzzle piece because there's none left on the table and the bag is empty. That's because I have it right here. Let me put it in. Not so fast. You have to answer a question first. What is what it? Is it? What? what? What's missing from the picture? Look very closely. The prophets, angels, shepherds, Mary, Joseph. Don't forget baby Jesus in the manger. The wise man with the star. What's left? You. Me? Yes, all of you. We're all part of God's big picture. So what does the puzzle piece look like? I'll show you. Hey, cool, that's us. Hey, yeah, that's, that's cool, cool. Wow. wow. Yes, God desires all of us to be saved and to turn from our sins and put our full trust in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Shall we see if it fits? I want to know more about what it means, Grandma. Can we talk about it? Of course. There's no better time than the present to talk about such very, very important things, and it would give me no greater joy. Now it's finished. Picture perfect. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. separated and it says in Isaiah 59 too but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear God's Word tells us that Jesus is God Jesus lived and died as our substitute her second Corinthians 521 says for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And finally, Jesus conquered death for us. Acts 21 says, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We must respond in faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians 3, 8 through 9, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, 
but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. This is the gospel. Please stand up one more time to sing door to Let's go ahead and give it up one more time for our Compass Kids. Didn't they do an awesome, awesome job? And also, I want to give some credit where credit is due. I want you to introduce to the music director of the play, Phyllis Vermillier, or known to the kids as Mrs. B. Let's thank her. And also, the director of the play, our director of kids ministry, Morgan Lee. Let's give it up for... Well, how about that? So awesome to see our kids up here uh, doing all that, celebrating Christmas together. But before we leave, I think we should take a few moments. And I mean, we're all going to leave here today already, we know, saying, wow, those kids, they did a great job. What a cute bunch of kids. And that's great. And if you've got one of those kids living at your house, please give them some extra ice cream tonight. Uh, I mean, make sure that they know how great of a job that they did today. But we want to stop and take a moment and not just leave here, oh, what cute kids, but 
let's think about some of the things that they were saying, right? Let's, let's think about the point of what it was that they were doing up here. I mean, they were telling a story of a, a puzzle, right? Snowed in, no electricity, no internet. They're putting a puzzle together. I mean, that usually makes me think about Christmas. I don't know how or why, but somehow a puzzle ends up under the tree every year. And it's inevitable you get family together. Hey, let's get the puzzle out. Let's clear off the kitchen table. And it's nice because it's something to do, but it's not so taxing that you can't, you know, talk to your family around you. Or, I don't know, maybe with your family, it's just enough of an excuse to not talk to them so you can focus on the puzzle. I, I don't know what it might be for you. But that can be a fun experience, but also it can be a challenging one, right? When the box under the tree is one of those 1,000-piece puzzles and half of it is the sky, and so you've got 500 pieces of 1,000 different shades of blue that you've got to try to figure out how they get together. Or I remember one time somebody gave uh, my daughter a set of puzzles. There was like seven of, uh, of them, and they all came in their own neat individual bags. Well, do you think they stayed in their unique individual bags? Not so much. And so next time we're trying to build the puzzle, I've got a distraught daughter. Daddy, where are all the pieces, right? we got half of the pieces of the puzzle, but then half of them from other puzzles. And it gets pretty confusing. That's not so fun, is it? Well, when we think about putting the pieces of a puzzle together, that might be where your life feels like it's at at Christmas. You might feel like, hey, I'm trying to put all these pieces together, and it seems like some of the pieces are missing. Or the ones that are here, I've tried every which way, and they don't fit. Right? And that's where I think when we think about life that way and we think about the things that these kids and this grandma were saying, there, there's a lot that we, that we can pick up from what they were saying. I mean, one of the things that they said at the very beginning when they were putting it together, right, there's like, hey, there's no picture. And grandma says, hey, you're going to need a Bible and this little, this little bag of clues here. Well, when it comes to the puzzle of life, puzzles of life, there's one thing that's not really more true. There's, no, there's nothing that's more true than the statement, you're going to need a Bible, Right? To get through, to navigate the difficulties of life, we need direction from God's Word. I mean, that's one of the reasons our church is called Compass Bible Church. Because we believe the Word of God that He's given to us through the Bible, that is the compass. That is what should be helping us set our direction for life. And, and a couple of things that I want us all to know about the Bible as we think about it this morning, and we even see how central it was to this play. At first, it's that the Bible is reliable. The Bible is totally reliable. I was talking to somebody at church a few weeks ago, and they, they weren't a Christian. They didn't come from a Christian background, and so they were asking me all these questions about what we believe and why we do the things that we do, and I was trying to explain it to him, and at some point he said, well, then that must mean that you think the Bible is really true, and I said, exactly. That's the whole point. I believe this is really true, and that's why it's the basis for everything I believe and everything I do, and then the conversation gets into, so why do you trust the Bible? Why do you think this book is better than any other book that's ever been written? What's so special about this book? And now, I don't want to keep you all day. So don't worry. I'm not going to try to give you a complete answer to that question. But just one thing that we saw from this play so clearly, why I think the Bible is a special book is fulfilled prophecy. They talked about it, the kids, as they were putting the puzzle together. The Bible wrote about things that were going to happen hundreds of years before they happened. I mean, exhibit A, remember the wise men that came up here and sang, right? They get there and they come before big bad King Herod and they ask a question. We find it in the Bible in Matthew chapter 2, which if you don't have a Bible, we'll put it up on the screen for you. It says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem 
with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So these wise men show up, and all the religious leaders, where is he going to be born? He's going to be born in Bethlehem. Everybody knows that. Why? Because it says so in the Bible. It had been written hundreds of years before that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. God calls his shots, and then it happens just like he said. That's one reason why the Bible is so special. And maybe you're saying, well, they probably just wrote it after the fact, right? They saw Jesus, and they put all these things into the Old Testament, and, and you know, they added them in to make it look genius, right? Well, that's not a very original idea. There's lots of people who have thought that before you, if that's what you're thinking this morning. In fact, in the early 1900s, that became very popular. You know, really smart people at fancy schools were saying, oh, they must have wrote a bunch of the Old Testament after Jesus, because there's no way all of that stuff could have been true. And in fact, one book of the Bible they said that about a lot was the book of Isaiah, which is a book you're going to hear a lot about at Christmas time, right? Verses like, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That's from Isaiah chapter 9, written about 700 years before Christ. Or Isaiah chapter 7, a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. That's the verse we're going to be looking at at our Christmas Eve services next week, written hundreds of years before Christ, or even passage Isaiah 53, which talks in great detail about the death of Christ, him being sacrificed for his people. So all these smart people are saying, oh, they must have written at least those parts of Isaiah after Jesus. Well, just when they thought that they were so smart, in the wilderness of Israel, right by the Dead Sea, and there's some debate, was it a little shepherd boy looking for a sheep, throwing a rock into a cave and hearing a jar break? Or was it somebody looking for antiquities when that wasn't technically legal? Uh, That's up for debate. But what everybody agrees on was what they found in those caves by the Dead Sea were scrolls that dated back, everybody agreed to, before Christ was born. These were ancient scrolls. And what was one of the first scrolls that they found? A big scroll that was the entire book of Isaiah dated to before Christ. And guess what? If you go, you you can see a copy of that that scroll at the Israel Museum there in Jerusalem. I've been there. I've seen it. I've stood in the cave where they found it, right? Guess what? You translate that, you know what it's going to say? The exact same thing that my Bible says right here. It's it's God's word. It's reliable. And and we see it through fulfilled prophecy. And and if you're a skeptic here this morning, you're like, "Eh, I don't know about all this. I would encourage you, dig in. There's probably questions that you, how, I want more, I have more questions about is the Bible reliable? Those are the most important questions you could ever ask. Don't ask those questions. Do your homework. And the more you dig in, the more you're going to find, hey, this book, it's a special book. It's more than a special book. It's the word of God. It's reliable. Also, the Bible is, is relevant. It's not just history. It's not just for nerds like me, right, that, that get into that kind of, of stuff. But what are some of the puzzles in your life? You got some difficult relationships? Bible has a lot to say about how to navigate those. You, you're working through, what does it mean to, you know, marriage, parenting, this is difficult. Bible's got a lot to say about those things. Well, I'm dealing with hope or fear or anxiety or depression or looking for purpose. Bible speaks to all of those things. It's relevant. The more we dig into this ancient book, the more we find, man, this is exactly what we need today. 
And that's why we do what we do here at Compass Bible Church. If you come, I mean, we've got 52 Sundays in a year. One of them, we, we have our kids on stage. They sing songs. We have a little musical. The other 51, we sing some songs of worship to God, and then we open up our Bibles. And we ask, what does this mean? What is God saying? What does it have to do with my life? And, and, and that's what we do every Sunday. And I would invite you to come back next week as we go back to John chapter 1 and continue going through the Word of God together. And I know some of you are here, and you're like, yeah, Bible's reliable. Yes, the Bible's relevant. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. I'm singing to a home crowd, right? Well, my question to you would be, do you act like it? Do you act like the Bible's reliable? Do you act like it's relevant? When life gets difficult, are you leaning into God's word more than ever before? So I've known so many Christians that the Bible, it, it, well, it kind of sits in their car from Sunday to Sunday in between church or it gathers dust on the shelf, or it's an app on your phone that gets opened a lot less than Facebook or Instagram, and we neglect it. When God has spoken to us, that's not the way that it should be. And now we're wrapping up 2019. I'd invite you, that if you are a Christian and you love this book, how much time did you spend in this book in 2019? How'd that go for you? What's your plan for 2020 to dig into these reliable and relevant words, right? Life, life is hard. We need direction. We're going to find it in the Bible. Just like puzzles are hard, we need direction. I like to find it from the picture on the cover of the box, right? But when you, whenever you get the family together, there's always that one person, right, that says, oh, it's cheating to use the box, right? You, you can't do it that way. You, you have that relative? Let's be real. Some of you, you are that relative. You know who you are, right? You, you, you know it. And so then that becomes a debate. I was seeing some people discuss it online and saw one person say, yeah, next time you're with your family and somebody gives you the whole, it's cheating to use the box, just take one of the puzzle pieces and eat it and see how they respond to that. So if you want to try that method this Christmas, let me know how it goes. Um, but I think I can already tell you, probably not going to go over very well. But that picture on the box, man, it's super helpful. This is the picture that God gave us to look at to show us how we're supposed to live. It's reliable. And it's relevant. But, but it, it's more than that. And I want to encourage you, don't use the Bible like you use WebMD, right? You guys ever have that where you're starting to feel a little sick, and so you, you pop up the Internet, you go to WebMD, and you start punching in your symptoms? I've got this lump in my throat. I've got some abnormal pain right, right around here somewhere. And you start searching that in and, and trying to find out, hey, what's the problem? How do I fix it? And half the time it doesn't help because it's like, well, you might have cancer. And you're like, no, you're right? And you, and you kind of. You kind of freak out when it's like, oh, it's actually just a sore throat. You know, crisis averted, right? That's how a lot of people use the Bible. Crisis comes up, hey, what are the symptoms? What does it have to say? And that's kind of missing the point, too, because the Bible isn't just some index. It's not a how-to book. It's not a self-help book, right? One, one of the kids said it, said it right here so well when they were looking at the puzzle, and he said, it wouldn't be much of a picture without Jesus, right? And the same thing is true for the Bible. It's, the Bible is a book that's not ultimately about you and me. It's a book about Jesus Christ. God didn't just give us a book to show us what to do. He gave us a person. He gave us his son. He gave us Jesus Christ. And the Bible from beginning to end is all about him. There were some guys in the Bible, they thought of the Bible as just a big list of rules and regulations, all these things that they had to do or they couldn't do. They were called the Pharisees. And if you know much about the Bible, they're basically the bad guys in the story of Jesus. And Jesus rebukes them. He says this in John chapter 5. 
uh, verse 39, he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. You think if you do all the things, then God will accept you. But it is they, the scriptures, that bear witness about me. Jesus is saying the Bible is all about me. The Pharisees thought, no, it's all about what we have to do. And you know what? There's a lot of people that think the same thing today. I meet them every week at church. They think that they can get right with God if they do all the right things. If they keep all the rules, then they will be okay. That is not the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible ultimately isn't about, hey, here are all the things that you need to do. It's about this is what Jesus Christ has done. That Jesus Christ was born into this world, and he wasn't just born. Then he went on to live the perfect life. How's that perfect life going for you? Yeah, not so great for me either, right? We've all blown it. Jesus lived the perfect life, and then he died on the cross. Why did he do that? As a sacrifice for our sins. And now he's risen again in heaven, coming back someday, and he is making an offer to the world to deal with our sins. In fact, that's what the mission of Jesus is all about. When the angel is talking to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, he says this, She, Mary, will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus literally means the Lord is salvation. That was what the mission of Jesus was all about. Sin is a word that means missing the mark. Anything that's messed up, anything that God doesn't like. And we have all done it. The puzzle pieces of our life, I mean, we've swallowed them, right? Our puzzle is irreparably broken. There's no way we can put the pieces together. Jesus Christ came to fix that problem. And he fixes it not by, hey, here's a couple more pieces, and maybe let me help you put a couple together. He comes and he says, let's just wipe out your puzzle, and here's a brand new one that I have completed for you. That is the message of the gospel, what we call the good news. It's basically a trade. Jesus is saying, hey, here's the, here's the deal. I will take all of your sins and I will give you all of my righteousness. Deal? Right? That's a pretty good deal. That's why it's amazing. It's the definition of love. And that is what Jesus is offering. And he is offering that to you. As, gra as the grandma said at the end, as they put that last piece in, we are all a part of God's picture. The Bible says that. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, This is good and it is it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God wants everyone to make that trade of their sin for the righteousness of Christ. Or in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. He's answering the question, well, what's taking Jesus so long to come back? Well, he's got a little different conception of time than we do. But then it says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Because he's waiting for more people to turn from their sins and trust Christ. And maybe, just maybe today, he is waiting for you. That, that today needs to be the day you say, God, my puzzle is messed up. My puzzle is broken. I am sorry. I want to turn away. That's, that's the idea of repentance. I'm going to turn away from the way I was. I'm going to take a U-turn, and I'm turning to Christ, trusting him. He is the Lord and Savior that I need. 
That's what it's all about. And that's that's the real message of what these kids were doing today. So as we leave this morning, you see some of those kids out out there in the lobby, tell them good job. If you see some of their parents, tell them congratulations because they've been listening to those songs for the last two, three months. So, you know, congratulate them. It's been as much their work, I'm sure, as it's been these kids. And what a great day to kind of celebrate just even that gift, uh, uh, the joy of children and doing all this. But I hope we leave here today with something more even than just that. That we all leave here today knowing, hey, Jesus, he died for me. I can be made right with God. And we leave here not just with the joy of children and seeing them sing and, and do their dances and say their lines, but we leave here knowing God loves us. He sent his son into the world so that we could be saved. That is a real reason to rejoice. Let's pray together. God, we do thank you for the gift of joy, the gift of this time of year, God, the gift of children, and just the life that they bring to the world, to the room, to our church, to our families. God, we rejoice in that today. But God, more than any of that, we rejoice in Jesus Christ. God, he came into the world. The Bible is all about him, and he came to deal with our sin problem, and we praise you for that. We praise you for providing a solution for the problem that we created but couldn't fix. God, we thank you for that. I pray that everybody here would know that. God, and I pray that we would all leave here today with joy, not just in these kids and the great job that they did, but joy in our great Savior and what he has done for us, and that that would stay in our hearts all through Christmas. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.